1: One of the vendors on the panel was waiting for approval for two years. He had to hire a designer to submit Blueprint designs, get that approval, then get the cart made, and then go back and get approval of the cart made according to Blueprint. We're talking about working class communities that make less than $20,000 a year, that you're expecting them to go through this Blueprint cart approval process to sell hot
0: dogs on the street. From LA Studios, this is How to LA. I'm Brian De Los Santos. Today, we're talking about something very close to my heart. Street food. LA has some of the most street food of any US city. I mean, I don't have to tell you how delicious those street tacos are or how refreshing those raspados or frutas are on a hot day. But here's the thing. LA street food laws are some of the strictest in the country. But in January of 2023, That's all going to change. Governor Gavin Newsom recently signed a bill into law that streamlines the permit process and removes a ton of barriers to access. It's a serious game changer for vendors across the city.
1: Street vendors are micro-enterprise small businesses. They create jobs, they buy locally, they invest locally, they bring more healthy food that's relevant to their communities.
0: This is Juan Espinosa.
1: And I am a part of the Community Development Project
0: at Public Council. For those who don't know, Public Counsel is a nonprofit that provides free legal aid to low-income communities here in LA. Juan's a homie of mine, and his team worked directly with vendors to make this law a reality. And look, this hits home for me too. I see my tias, my tios represented in street vendors. And it's not just Latinos. There's vendors in the Black community, in Asian communities. To be honest, I feel like street vending is important to just everyone. So I asked Juan, how big of an impact is this going to make for these businesses?
1: It's a groundbreaking bill. There wasn't any definition in the California Retail Food Code that included street vending. Street food that we know and love, that foodies blog about, that is all over Netflix, that is all over the world. And yet California was the last state in the country, one of the last states, to legalize street vending.
0: Juan says LA's super strict street food laws stem from the California Retail Code. He says the rules and guidelines laid out by that code were biased from the start, based on who was invited to participate.
1: The California Retail Food Code was created essentially by affluent white people from Orange County and the Restaurant Association. Latinos, immigrants, working class communities, they were not in the room.
0: I feel like we've all heard stories of vendors having to pick up their things and run away from health inspectors or police, even facing racism and violence from people who don't want them there. But Juan says vendors knew they were in the right, and they knew they were benefiting communities. So they formed grassroots organizations to kickstart the process that would eventually lead to their legalization. He walks through the efforts, just literally, like, who was at the table and who wasn't?
1: Well, first people at the table were street vendors, knocking on doors in Boyle Heights, asking their local representatives to
0: support them. That was 15 years ago. In 2018, that work paid off. And street vending became sort of legal in L.A., but pretty quickly, they realized there were other problems. When street vending was legalized, what was
1: then realized is that you couldn't get a retail food permit and you couldn't get a health permit to do the food piece of it. So vendors that were not selling food were largely okay and actually legalized, but food vendors remained essentially illegal and seen as illegitimate.
0: Public council and a bunch of other groups like Inclusive Action for the City, Community Power Collective, and the East L.A. Community Corporation, they all worked closely with street vendors to identify possible solutions. In 2021, Public Council and UCLA's Community Development Project authored a report. It outlined all of the different barriers the vendors had identified.
1: One of the recommendations that came out of that report was you're required to have a commissary space contract where you cook and you clean and store your cart. One, there aren't that many available Usually all of those commissary spaces are meant for food trucks. Two, they're geographically located in very specific parts of L.A., like central L.A. Like, how do you get there? And three, it's expensive. You have to pay 1500 sometimes $2,000 to rent out a commissary space in order to get a health permit. Vendors were like, why can't we work with carnicerias? Why can't we work with local restaurants? Why can't commercial kitchens that already exist, that have permits be a space where we can prepare food and help us with this commissary requirement.
0: This example might seem like insider baseball, but that's sort of the point. Vendors know exactly what's getting in their way of getting permits. And when they're included in the discussion, they could actually come up with very targeted solutions. These type of changes aren't just benefiting the vendors because, like we said, things that are good for street vendors are good for the broader community too.
1: It's actually a really good point. Someone that has this like fancy t-shirt shop that I know on Melrose wanted to put up an ice cream component outside his shop, couldn't get that pop up approved because of a three compartment sink requirement. How the hell are you going to have a three compartment sink on a little cart that like you're going to move around and make mobile? Doesn't make sense. Now, if you're the customer going to the T-shirt shop, you can now benefit from the little ice cream pop up and you can see business flourishing. It's a better experience.
0: But Juan says his new law is intended to be a lifeline for the people who need it most the majority of food vendors make less than $20,000 a year and most of them are immigrant women of color.
2: Mi nombre es Rosario Melendez, vendo el curtido que es la cebolla y mango maduro con limón y chile.
0: So, Rosario is this shorter woman, curly short hair. She sets up her booth at this corner of Kenmore and 3rd Street. She was wearing a mandil an apron in Spanish. It was pink and shiny and all these colors. It looked like she was selling candy, and she was. She's, like, attracting that energy. She tells me that she's been doing this hustle for years, and she actually told me that her mother taught her in San Salvador. I asked her how this law would impact her business.
2: A mí me afecta porque, por ejemplo, ayer vino los de la ciudad, piden el permiso
0: she says she does have a permit but it doesn't cover perishables the department of public health told her she needs a different cart and she just can't afford it when the inspectors show up sometimes they make her leave sometimes they don't sometimes they just bug her about her umbrella but she still feels like she has to be on guard. ¿Cómo ustedes, con sus pequeños, con la I asked Rosario how small businesses like hers contribute to the
2: community.
0: She told me she tries to sell the things from Central America that people miss the most. Things they might only find in Honduras or Guatemala or El Salvador, where she's from. This really can make a difference in people's lives because L.A. is street food, and street food is L.A. I feel like L.A. is a city of hustlers. You see it on the freeways, you see it on the streets, people selling food, people selling clothes.
1: When vendors would share their stories and share why they were in the panel, why they were giving so much of their time walking through the aisles of like Costco while being on Zoom week after week for eight months, almost all of them were like, we don't want to run anymore. We don't want to go back to a time where we were chased and we had to run away. I grew up on this block in Palm Springs that was like a very Mexican neighborhood that's now been fully gentrified. But it was basically this immigrant community where we had the like elotera, the raspado lady, we had Juanita La Paletera, these little cute spaces where kids would congregate like literally 10-15 little kids running around and sharing a space that was created for them by street vendors. A lot of people in those communities also were undocumented. Members of my family were undocumented. So having treats from Mexico, having things that are culturally relevant that are part of the repertoire of who we are for me is so important and valuable. That's the most important part of SB 972. It's making sure that we send the message that Street vendors belong. They're a part of who we are. They're a part of our communities. and there's now a definition in the California retail Food Code that includes street vendors.
0: If you want to hear more vendors' perspectives, check out our newsletter on slash how toay. We'll have more details on what the law says too. This is How to LA from Elias Studios. I'm Brian De Los Santos. By the way, if you're enjoying this podcast, subscribe and please leave us a review. I know it sounds small, but it really does help us out a lot. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. I'll see you tomorrow.